Hello, sweetie fam. Welcome to the Fit Well Teal podcast, where we talk about fitness and wellness and everything in between. Let's get into this episode. Today, we are joined by Odetta Kassa, holistic health and wellness coach, yoga practitioner, breathwork facilitator. Hi, Odetta. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Okay. Since the weather is really good and sunny, let us start with a quick, light round question. What's your favorite workout? Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Yoga practitioner. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> uh, what's your favorite sports? I love cross country running, and I also really love volleyball. Mm. What's your favorite color? Pink. Mm. I put pink everywhere. I love it. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite post workout drink or food? Um, I usually have some sort of a protein shake or a protein smoothie, or sometimes Greek yogurt with some berries. What about pre workout food and drink? I love having a piece of toast with peanut butter and banana, and I always make sure to drink a lot. Of water. What's your favorite active wear brand? Lululemon. <laughs> What's your favorite shoe brand? Ooh, that's a good one. Probably Nike. Just do it. Lastly, how would you describe yourself with three words? Bubbly, passionate, excited. Perfect. Can you please share your wellness journey so far? How your journey has been like? What were the highlights of this journey? And what were the challenges on the flip side? So growing up, I was a really athletic kid. I I played all of the sports. I was a dancer. I just love moving my body. So I think my passion for fitness and wellness started at a really young age, just because of how much I love playing sports. I started doing yoga when I was 15 years old. So I actually started doing yoga before I got into any personal fitness, any lifting, any group fitness classes I did. I did yoga first. So that's kind of how that developed. And through my yoga practice that's where I started learning how to meditate. I started learning mindfulness practices and I really started integrating them into my life and noticing how much of a difference they made because I was someone that struggled a lot, majority of my life with anxiety and depression and self-esteem and self-worth issues. I got bullied a lot when I was younger. So I found that every time I went on my yoga mat and I meditated and I moved um, and I practiced these mindfulness techniques, it would really help me become a lot more calmer and more positive in my life. So I was naturally drawn to the tools and modalities that helped me learn how to deal with the really intense emotions I felt when I was younger. So that's how that started. And then shortly after I developed an eating disorder, which was pretty intense. I was in the hospital for two months and that happened because a lot of different issues, but it had a lot to do with the self-worth issues. I felt the bullying and just constantly feeling like I wasn't good enough compared to everybody around me. So I kind of took the fitness and the health a little too far and became really restrictive with it, really rigid with it. And it developed into an eating disorder. So when I got out of the hospital, I, I pretty much had to relearn how to eat and how to move my body and do what I was doing before, but in a more sustainable, healthy, self-loving place rather than a place of uh, punishment. So I slowly started doing yoga again. I was really mindful about what I ate, not in terms of calories or trying to restrict what I ate, but more so what can I eat that fuels me? What foods do I like? And so I really had to challenge myself 
mentally in that way when I was in my recovery. So I slowly started introducing a little bit more movement, yoga, started running a little bit, but again, all for the purpose of how can I include fitness in my life in a way that isn't dangerous or unhealthy. So I really had to learn that along the way. When I was 17, I went to the weight room for the first time at my high school and I started lifting weights for the first time. And that gave me a sense of empowerment that I hadn't felt before. I just, I felt so strong and so confident when I would go there and lift weights heavier than I thought I could ever lift. Being on the yoga journey taught me one thing and being on the strength training journey taught me another thing. And a a big part of what it taught me was developing strength from the inside out and going to the gym and lifting weights from a place of, I want to see what my body can do rather than I want to shape my body to look a certain way. So that kind of started the strength training journey for me. And every time I showed up to the gym, I was like, okay, what can I do today? How can I lift heavier? How can I run faster? How can I really utilize the blessing of my body and of my health and my ability to move and to breathe and to take up space in a way that feels empowering. So I started doing that. And then I fell in love with everything health and fitness. And and because of my journey of having to relearn how to do it in a healthy and sustainable way, I really fell in love with holistic health and wellness. So starting to incorporate the mind, body, soul, and learning and understanding how all those three pillars are so intertwined. You can't have one without the other, right? Like for example, when I had my eating disorder, I only focused on the body. I was not focusing on my mind. I was not focusing on my heart and soul. It was just like, how, how can I become the skinniest and most lean person that I can be in it? It was detrimental to my overall health and wellness. So I started really paying attention to nurturing my body, mind, and soul using a variety of modalities and techniques, the meditation, the mindfulness, the strength training, the yoga, affirmations, journaling, all of the things. Yeah. I loved it so much. And it had such a profound effect on my life that I went to university to study kinesiology. After I graduated, I became a personal trainer, nutrition coach, yoga instructor. I started teaching group fitness classes, started helping clients one-on-one. And again, it developed over time and I loved it so much. And it has now evolved into being able to help my clients with the deeper rooted things, like their deeper limiting beliefs, the conditions that they have, the conditioning that they took on when they were younger, maybe from the world around them, from the parents, uh, working a lot with trauma work and helping to release that from the body, a lot of somatic work. So a lot of the work I do now, it really encompasses everything I've ever learned, but it's just taking it a little deeper into how can we get out of the mind and kind of into the body in a more of a felt experience and release the tension, the stress, the anxiety, the fears out of the body and coming to a place of deeper self-compassion, self-acceptance, harmony. So yeah, that's kind of my journey. And it's really fun sharing it from beginning to end and seeing how it has evolved so much over time. So yeah, that's pretty much what I love to do now. Just share passions with the people around me, with my clients and really help people develop a better relationship with themselves and giving them the tools and the support they need to take care of their mind, body, and soul. Again, understanding that they're all 
connected. That's amazing. Thanks for being so authentic and being brave to open it up. Of course, thank you for giving me the space to tell you my whole life story. <laughs> When it comes to guiding students and coaching one-on-one session, what are your teaching method or mantra techniques you can provide to those who are in need? Yeah. So right now I have a lot of one-on-one personal coaching clients and I take them through a three-month process. First month, the theme is all about reconnecting with the self. So I primarily work with women and majority of the women who come to me for help or for support are feeling extremely disconnected with themselves, disconnected with their heart, with their body, with their intuition. They have lived majority of their life in a very masculine go, go, go hustle type of mentality because that's the society that we are raised in, or that's all we know. First month of my coaching with them is really about reconnecting with themselves, looking at their wellness practices. Do they have a meditation practice? Do they journal? Do they give themselves the time during the day to just be with themselves? Or do they fill it up with work or with friends or with distractions, with TV, with social media? So the first month is really about carving that time out for your yourself to start looking inward and start maybe feeling what emotions come up when we give ourselves that space. Because usually when we stop distracting ourselves and we sit in meditation or we go for a walk by ourselves with no podcast, no music, we start to feel all the stress and the anxiety and and the mind just chatters. So um, starting to really give themselves space and time and noticing what emotions they feel and learning how to approach their emotions in a non-judgmental, compassionate way. And then that's why I'm there to kind of help them through some of the uncomfortable feelings. I work a lot with the body. So I facilitate breath work to help them get out of the head and into the body. Um, I really encourage practices like yoga and mindful movement, again, to tap into the body, especially as women, our intuition and our knowledge and our deeper wisdom comes from our body. And if we're constantly living in the head, it's hard to connect to that place. So that is the first month that I take them through my three-month coaching container. So month two is more about diving deep into self-love. So this is where we touch on topics like inner child work, shadow work. We do maybe deeper forms of breath work. So a big tool that I use with my clients is inner child work. It's, it's meeting Um, your younger self and having a deep level of self-compassion for that younger part of us. Because usually that inner child is the one that feels scared and threatened and feels like nobody likes her and she's different. And so working with that inner child, we really start to develop a deeper level of self-compassion. So that's usually, usually the second month. And the third month is all about integrating everything we've learned and moving forward from a place of self-leadership. So creating bigger goals for the next year, the next month, taking actionable steps toward that goal, really digging deep into yourself and your passions of like, what is your purpose? What, what do you love to do? What do you want to do with your time? So it starts from the ground up. It's really creating space, feeling your feelings, tapping into self-love and self-compassion, maybe doing a little bit of trauma work and body work, somatic experiencing, and then how can we integrate everything? So this is currently what I'm doing with my, with my coaching clients. 
Well, it sounds like month by month, it's very structured with a specific theme. Yeah, I have structure that I follow. However, every session that I have with my clients, we really go wherever they need to go. So session by session, I don't have a specific agenda. They come to me and tell me what's been going on and I take them wherever I intuitively feel like they need to go. Um, and I really coach at the same rate as their growth. I challenge them, but I don't push them past the point where they feel like they're comfortable because healing and, and personal development and growth in that way takes time and it takes patience and it's not a linear journey. And that's why a lot of people hire coaches is to have that accountability, to have that support and to have someone on your side through all of the ups and the downs. So that's kind of what I do right now in summary. And then I also teach yoga classes on the side. Yoga is always that, that key for me, for sure. So can you please share about your yoga class, how it is different from other yoga classes? Yeah, absolutely. I do think my classes are a little bit different. I mainly teach vinyasa style classes because of the background that I have and all the different modalities that I'm experienced in and trained in. I really try to incorporate that in my yoga classes. So rather than just guiding people through the poses and through the vinyasa flows, and again, focusing solely on the body and like it's a yoga workout, I really guide the students who take my classes into a much more of a deep inner journey. So I use movement as a modality for deeper self-awareness and introspection. So for example, as we're moving, I really encourage uh, my students to feel what's happening in their body, what sensations they're feeling, feel the emotions that are coming up. I, I sometimes incorporate breath work, modes of storytelling, guided meditations and visualizations, all for the purpose of having them go deeper into their bodies through the movement and the yoga and the breath. So yeah, some people come to my classes expecting just a yoga class and then they leave crying, <laughs> but in a good way, in like a very cathartic, emotional release kind of way, just encouraging a, a deep level of self-compassion in my classes, very inclusive, very, a very safe space for them to do whatever they feel like they need to do, moving at their own pace, hitting the poses in any way that feels comfortable, taking rest when they need to. So it's less about trying to be the perfect yogi and trying to follow follow what I'm doing and what everyone else is doing. And more so, you know, what do you need from this class today? And how can you give it to yourself? I love the approach. It's inclusive. It's a safe place to share breathing work together. And it is not only the movement physically, but also you touch the area of mental and heart realm. Yeah, spiritual. Yes, for sure. The mind, body, soul connection. That's really like the pillars of what I do. And I try to make that very apparent in every class I teach, every workshop I lead. How would you guide an individual who is very logical, like data-driven, number-driven, not really have much experience about intuition, using their intuition or feelings or how to express their feelings and emotions. How would you approach those types of client? Yeah. So it's a journey, right? It, it's a process. Have them try to drop in, usually using, I would guide them through some form of a grounding meditation where I have them really feel the sensations of their body and maybe explain the sensations of their body to me. So like, do you feel any tightness in your chest, any tingling in your fingers? 
Do you feel a knot in your stomach? Because really the first step to feeling your feelings or feeling your emotions is first being aware of and describing the physical sensations that you feel in the body because the emotions and the feelings come from the body. So first starting to explain the physical sensations in the body and then guiding them to take it a little bit deeper of like, okay, what do you feel today? Um, And then seeing if they can name the emotion and then where the emotion lives in the body. So, okay, I hear you're feeling anxious. Where do you feel that in the body? Ooh, maybe it's like a tightening of the chest. Maybe there's like a knot in my throat. Maybe I feel butterflies in my stomach. So it's really about guiding them to understanding what happens in their physical body when they're feeling a certain type of emotion. Usually it's an uncomfortable emotion like anxiety or fear or sadness. So really guiding them to feel that in their body and just working with them over time and encouraging them and challenging them to continuously drop into their body, even if it means throughout the day, taking a step back from your work and just taking three deep breaths. And again, maybe hand on heart, hand on belly, noticing what is happening in the body. So it's really about creating little moments of awareness throughout your day to ask yourself, how do I feel right now? Like a mini check-in. How do I feel right now? Like what has been going on today? What do I feel? Where does it live in my body? So just about awareness, little mindful moments that will build and build over time to you learning more about yourself and how that shows up in your body and in your life. And then, you know, we could go deeper after that, but that's really where I would start is just taking the time to check in with yourself and noticing. That's amazing. So you mentioned about your breath work and you are the facilitator of the breath work at other shit, right? What are the elements when it comes to breath work? Do you think is important? So techniques or breath work methods? Mm -hmm. There's different forms of breath work. There's upregulated breath work, which helps you tap into the sympathetic nervous system. So giving you a little bit of a boost, a little bit of an energy boost, kind of heightening your senses, taking you into that sympathetic state. And then there's more down-regulated breath work that is intended to drop you into your parasympathetic nervous system. So uh, regulating, calming, de-stressing. And then there are deeper forms of breath work that are more intended for an emotional journey, a deep inner transformation. You can use breath work for trauma release and somatic experiencing. So it depends on what your intention is, where you want to go to start off, you know, breath work doesn't have to be really intense and fancy. It could be as simple as you setting a one minute timer on your phone, closing your eyes and just taking intentional breath. It could be as simple as that. So breath work in its simplicity is being aware of the breath and starting to breathe in a more conscious way. So at first, the very first thing I do when I lead any sort of breath work or classes or yoga or with my clients, I have them close their eyes and I just have them breathe normally. I say, don't change anything. Don't deepen your breath. Don't lengthen your breath. Just start to notice your breath. Maybe listen to the inhales and the exhales. Are you breathing in your chest or your belly? Are your breaths shallow or deep? Are you breathing longer or or slow? You know what I mean? So just starting to notice what's happening. And then I ask them to start lengthening the inhales and the exhales. 
maybe breathing a little bit deeper into the diaphragm to get fuller, deeper breaths, fresh oxygen to the body. And then asking them, noticing what that feels like when they shift the breath and when they breathe a little bit deeper. Yeah, there are different forms of breath techniques and it just kind of just depends on where I am leading them that day or what the theme is or what the intention is. Um, Yeah, it really just depends, but it all starts with taking a mindful moment out of your day to consciously breathe and start to notice again, what's going on in the body as I'm breathing and what am I feeling as I'm breathing? There can be lots of different types of people depending on their energy, depending on their uh, sensory systems. How would you guide people described as highly sensitive people? So there's the word for those types of people, HSP. Yeah, well, I am an HSP and an empath, and I'm also very sensitive to external stimulus. How would you guide those people and how do you manage it or how do you embrace it. So I think the very first step for highly sensitive people or empaths is starting to see your emotions as a superpower rather than a curse. Because my whole life, I have been told by everyone around me, you're so sensitive, you're so emotional, like stop crying, stop getting angry, stop doing this. And we live in a society where emotions aren't really encouraged. Like you're, you're encouraged to toughen up, be strong, don't be a baby, don't cry. And that's especially, especially detrimental for women, even very detrimental for men as well in a different way, but I'm speaking as a woman, because women are emotional. We go through phases and cycles and there's ups and there's downs, and that's not encouraged as a means of of expression in our society. So the first place I would start is having self-compassion for yourself and starting to view your emotions as just a part of who you are. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with having emotions. Everyone does. Some people just suppress them, which leads to a lot of issues in their life life. So maybe start shifting to a place of I'm going to start living my life by fully acknowledging my emotions and feeling my emotions. So how you do that is stopping suppressing them, repressing them or distracting yourself. So the moment you feel anxiety or fear or anger, don't turn to social media and try and distract yourself from the uncomfortable feelings, like sit with it. It's really, really hard. And again, it's a process, but sit with it. And again, based on what I said earlier, like, what am I feeling right now? Where am I feeling it in the body? What happened in my environment or what triggered me to make me feel this way? Like I'm suddenly anxious. What happened? So the more you allow yourself to feel your emotions, the deeper level of understanding you'll have towards yourself and where your emotions come from. And then maybe you can, you know, dig a little bit deeper and try to understand uh, where those emotions come from. So first step, having a lot of self-compassion, not listening to the people around you who say you're too emotional, you're too sensitive, like embrace that. That's step number one, feel your feelings. Step number two, and this is for people who are very sensitive, external stimulus, or maybe the people who struggle with anxiety a lot. It's all about nervous system regulation. So I talk about this a lot and I help my clients with this a lot. When the body or the nervous system is in a constant state of stress, 
stress or panic, whether it's because of the environment we're in or certain experiences or trauma that we've had in the past that, you know, are now deeply ingrained in our body and we're not aware of them. The nervous system has a much smaller window of tolerance for stress. So the moment something stresses you out, your body goes into survival mode, fight or flight, and you could go into a panic. So you're, you're very sensitive to the smallest little changes or triggers in your external environment. So how you move past that is by really expanding that window of tolerance. And how we do that is by learning to regulate the nervous system. And that all starts with being aware of the feelings that you're feeling. You can't regulate the nervous system and you can't feel your feelings without giving yourself space to do that. So again, noticing when you get triggered, noticing when you get anxious or stressed or scared and being with that for a second, noticing where it is in the body, what's going on, what happened, taking slow, deep breaths, maybe practicing some breath work and starting to build up your toolbox of tools that you can use whenever you get triggered. So kind of to summarize, because I went in a a few different places, one, having self-compassion for yourself and knowing that your emotions are a superpower and to allowing yourself to feel your feelings rather than suppress, repress, or distract yourself. And three, learning how to regulate your nervous system during the moments when you do get triggered or anxious or stressed and really building up that window of tolerance or that, that ability for you to hold the stress in a healthy and safe way without going into survival mode. I love that step-by-step instructions. We can digest it. Our community can digest it step-by-step. Love it. Thank you so much. One last question for you is what's your definition of holistic health and what are your advice for those uh, women particularly who are struggling with their body image or their relationship with food? Really great question. Like I mentioned in the beginning, holistic health means the connection to the mind, body, and soul, meaning you can't have one without the other. So if you are someone or if you're a woman who is struggling with your body image, you probably are focusing a lot on the body and the image, body image. You're probably not focusing much on your feelings and what your heart is telling you and the things in life that you love to do. You're probably someone that is constantly looking outside of yourself for validation, constantly comparing yourself to girls that you see on social media, constantly striving to achieve a certain type of body because you think that it'll make you more popular or make people love you or give you confidence. And to some degree, Sure, if you go work out and you get a great body, you might have confidence in the beginning, but then it will quickly turn into more self-esteem issues. And I know that from firsthand experience, like you can get your ideal dream body and I promise you it will not change how you feel about yourself on the inside. So for me, it's all about developing that confidence and that self-worth from the inside out rather than the outside in. So rather than trying to change your body with a diet and a workout routine and following all of these fitspos on social media, starting to shift your attention more toward building sustainable habits over time, like okay, what types of movement do I love to do? Okay, I love to do yoga. I'd really like to do a little bit of strength training and I love going for walks. Great. Let's see if we can 
add in two yoga classes a week. Maybe you can go to the gym and lift weights twice a week and go on like one really long walk or hike. So starting to develop habits um, in a way that fits into your schedule and into your life and doesn't stress you out. And when you're there, you're focusing on just really being there, really being present and, and doing something good for your body and for yourself rather than, okay, I got to get to the gym and I got to burn this many calories and I got to hit my booty because I want my booty to be like, none of that. We're going to the gym and we're moving our bodies because it feels good. And because we love ourselves. So developing sustainable habits over time from a place of self-compassion and self-love and making sure that we are including the other things in our life that will help us do that. So for example, if you have created these sustainable habits, but you're on social media 24 seven, comparing yourself to the fitspos that you see, it's going to affect how you show up for yourself because you're constantly comparing. So, you know, maybe taking a social media break, maybe unfollowing people on social media that make you feel bad about yourself. So really starting to look at all of these little things and, and how it makes you feel and following the things in life that genuinely bring you joy. What do you want to do versus what do you think you have to do? And that has to, it's a lot about, again, listening to your body and listening to your heart. Screw what everyone else is telling you is the right way to take care of your health and fitness. Like what feels good to you? What do you like to do? What brings you joy? What makes you feel the best? Like even I'm going off on a tangent here because I'm really passionate about this, even in terms of what you wear, like what do you genuinely like to wear versus trying to follow all of the trends and trying to follow everyone else on social media? Like what makes you feel good about yourself? So yeah, in a nutshell, just really starting to ask yourself, what feels good? What do I love to do? What brings me joy? Reducing the outside noise and the stimulus of what people are telling you, social media, comparison and uh, really starting to form that deeper relationship with your heart and with yourself. And one more thing I'll say in terms of body image, I want everyone listening to this to really try this. When you look at yourself in the mirror, I want you to picture yourself when you were a kid. Like I want you to picture your younger self and the way you're talking to yourself, the way that you are, you're talking about your body. Would you say that to your younger self? Would you say that to a little seven-year-old girl who is having body image issues? Would you tell her all these horrible, awful things that you tell yourself on a day-to-day basis? Would you tell her to get her butt to the gym because she needs to lose weight and she needs to have a big booty in order to be loved? No, you would look at her and say, you know what? I love you no matter what you look like, no matter what you wear. I just want you to be happy. And if we start approaching our ourselves in our own life in that way of, look, I love you and I want you to be happy. And yes, I want to develop some healthier habits and a healthier lifestyle sure. But can we do that from a place of deep self-compassion and love? That's where I'm going to cap that. Cause I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> That's so powerful. Thank you. So powerful. Let's practice it. Tio community. Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing your wisdom and insights. I can definitely sense that you're so passionate on this subject and topic. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. you're the expert. Odetta, so where can our audience find you? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the best way right now is through Instagram. My handle is just my first name and my last name. So at Odetta Casa, I am working on a website that I am launching within the next 
month and a half. So stay tuned for that. And it'll clearly highlight all of my services and what I do. So website coming soon. You can also follow me on TikTok. Same handle, first name, last name, at Odetta Casa. I play around with that one a lot. Thank you so much, Odetta. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the FitWell TO podcast. Follow us on Instagram at fitwell.to. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave us a rating and review. This really helps this podcast get more listeners and to get more great guests on the show. We look forward to seeing you next week on the Fitwell TO podcast. Thank you.